0: Hi everyone, my name is Joseph Williams.
1: And I am Kimberly Jolette Williams.
0: And today we are here to share with you how D3 changed the way we live our lives. I mean, after attending a few sessions, I I kind of wanted to back off and do things the way we had originally planned, but I am so glad that I didn't. I yes, mean we are both glad. <laughs> I did have to f- attend a few like makeup sessions uh, to get caught up with the group, but once again, it was one of the best decisions that I made all year. Uh, we were blessed to uh, keep working in full swing during COVID. Yes. Um, so during that time, we increased our savings, uh, our communication increased uh, when it came to our uh, financial decisions. But most importantly, uh, we had a plan. And we were just, you know, we were going to live out that plan. Uh, and it wasn't hard as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but when I started seeing uh, our credit score increase, I mean, I just saw a big picture. And I knew that we had an opportunity uh, to someday live the way God intended us to live. Uh, D-free gave me the opportunity to grow uh, in areas uh, of my life where I lacked, and that was managing of my finances and preparing uh, for our future.
1: Yes, and I agree. We. Really enjoyed DeFree. I am glad that um, Sister Autry and Pastor Autry had the vision uh, to bring that to our church. Um, our uh, facilitators were uh, phenomenal. We thank Darren and Erica uh, Daniels for all of their support, um, answering all our personal questions. Um, I also want to thank David Waddell and uh, his wife Regina Waddell. David, I uh, spent a lot of time with me on the phone, just helping us through the process and. Uh, Through that process, we had phenomenal blessings that came our way from God. Um, one of the ones was they talked about uh, your emergency fund. And we really, not thinking raising kids and going day to day, we never really thought about having an emergency fund, and especially for the amount that they recommended. And once we started saving and putting it in there, before we noticed, uh, it had already built up. And it was a great uh, opportunity for us. Um, another thing was uh, just identifying those spending gaps and things that we can improve when we did the list. Um, I was totally against going from cable to streaming. I am going to tell you all, I was Mm -hmm. kicking and screaming when Joseph said that was it. He was not paying another cable bill. But it freed us up so much, I did not even realize how much we were spending um, on cable and not even watching the the television, right? Because nothing's ever on, right? Right. And so that just helped us. Um, also, I love that it incorporated prayers, uh, things that made us focus about praying about our finances and praying about a new way of life, a new path um, that we could take and be free. Um, and so, I, again, if you had asked me five years ago if I'd be at this place, I probably would have laughed and said, no, I never would have thought that uh, we could be in this place. And also it promoted, even while you're going through things, to bless others and uh, invest in others. And I'm a giver by nature. And so that was also a rewarding thing. And so we were blessed to go through free in the fall of 2021. And as a result, um, we were able to pay off two of our cars. Um, we also was blessed. And on June 3rd of 2023, uh, 2022, yeah. we were blessed with our new home. And we're now in our new home right now. So. God did it for us. I encourage everyone who wants to have this opportunity, join up with Free. It definitely will free you up to the endless possibilities of the prosperity that God can bless you with in your life. Um, God's provision for us, it doesn't change because of what we do. We just have to align with what he wants for us. So thank you so much from us. Be blessed and Thank you for allowing us to share our journey and our story with you all. Bye. You. Oh, am I? oh, there we go. I'm
2: sorry. I turned myself off. Yes, he's able. Amen. I know you pay off cards all the time. That's no big deal for you. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, but Joe and Kim, we're so proud of you and and that God would do that for you. And again, uh, the the whole giving series was really designed to be very, very holistic. Um, We just want you to experience what God wants you to experience, that financial health, that peace as well, and then the joy of giving because it should be a joy. God loves a cheerful giver and that's what we're trying to move. So don't think your finances are so far gone that you can't get this right. If God can bring you out of any situation, he can handle anybody know he can handle the financial situation. Come on. So I want to encourage you if you haven't done it. If you if you haven't done D free, you need to do it. I promise you you won't be um, you won't regret it one of the best programs out there and and it will bless you tremendously just a couple of things uh very quickly I want to encourage you we haven't um you know I'm so glad for our online community and thank you so much and hopefully we'll be able to do it on Wednesday as well but we haven't gathered together as a church to pray and um if you're here in Dallas I want to encourage you meet us meet us here to pray on Wednesday take time out and see God's face together. Um, uh, You never know what God can do. Amen. So, let's, let's take some time out. Just, just a little time and pray together as a church. I want to encourage you all uh, to do that. Uh, Also, too, I just want to remind you, you're going to see more advertisements on it, but in October, we are planning to move our nine o'clock service to ten o'clock and uh, give some of our parents who have the kids that stay in bed and all that kind of stuff trying to get them out of bed can get the church a little bit more and so we want to we want to do that as well and and give them an opportunity uh to be here as well hopefully we can create even more of a, a group together uh, as we worship and move further out of the pandemic tell somebody we coming out of this pandemic amen we coming out of it amen also two brothers I know you saw the advertisement for the retreat uh we are gonna have to postpone it uh, until January. We already got a date, a uh, number of things. There were some concerns about some infections and things like that, but also, too, we wanted to give some high respects to one of our matriarchs in the church. A number of guys uh, have big reverence for Sister Patton. We wanted to be here to make sure we give her respect as well. So, you'll get more information about that as well. Amen. And, and then, what the last thing I need to hit very quickly, and I'll say it again at the end, I preached about the Israel trip in July and a number of you would like to do that trip as a church and just really had some great conversations with the team that took us over there and they were so blown away. Uh they want to support us in going over there providing the guides and all that kind of stuff as a church. There's another church that wants to go with us. So if you're interested in going to Israel Uh, on a pilgrimage and we're going to make it pilgrimage and fun. It ain't going to be all uh, just all work you know and and it's not really work but the pilgrimage is is something but we're going to make it fun. I do need to see you for just a few minutes after service if you're interested in that. I just want to throw some things at you as we plan this and so God is really working some things out. Amen? Amen. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, again, we just give you thanks uh, for this time, give you thanks for this series and what you've done in our hearts. And now, God, just remind us that no matter what we go through, you are always with us. May our faith be stronger in spite of all that we go through. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I want to finish out this series uh, giving God our best with giving and I'm not necessarily dealing with giving today. I've really said what I believe God wants us to hear about giving but this is more about our faith um, and where God is taking us in our faith and I want to kind of I want to use this last Sunday to kind of put it all in context and so this is not a giving sermon per se really isn't and yet uh, in a In a very uh, subversive way. It is attached to to giving, but this is primary if you want to look at it that way uh, in terms of what God is doing in our lives. And so I want to invite your attention to our meditation text, uh, Psalm 34, verses 2 and 3. And this is a great text to meditate on during the week. Uh, Psalm 34, verses 2 and 3. My soul will make its boast in the Lord, the humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And you know, uh, the Bible says that to be filled with the spirit, one of the traits of it is songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Can we give the men a hand clap of praise? Because I think they led us to a spiritual filling experience in our praise today. So, I praise God for you. Amen. And then for our text, read all of Psalm 91. I'm just going to read the first two verses to get us going. But Psalm 91, New International Version, here's how it reads. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, (laughs) He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God. Come on, somebody in whom I trust. It's my testimony. (laughs) And I want to talk about answers for our agonies. Answers for our agonies. Raise your hand if this has been a difficult year for you already. Let me just see your hands. Are you doing all right? It's been a challenge, hasn't it? It's been a trial for many of us and with that trial, it has been an agony. Many times, when we find ourselves going through a trial, we feel the agony, which is why I actually said agonies in my title, because you know when you're going through, it's not just one agony. How many of y'all know it's a bunch of agonies <laughs> that come with that thing? And, and, and really, the question that we're trying to raise are there answers for our agonies? I, I talked to a, a very good friend this week. He's actually a seminary professor. Uh, who, who does actually these Israel trips and what have you and um, he had come off one trip and hadn't been home a good week or two only to watch his house completely go up in flames. Basically lost everything and and he says the Christian community and family has reached out to him and has blessed and encouraged him but as he shared his story and that's it's been months y'all you can hear the agony in his heart. And as I listen to him sharing his story, I begin to ask myself the question are there answers for our agony? And I already know that word agony, it sounds strong. Sounds like a very strong word. Some would say, no, Pastor, we have trouble, we have pains. But I use the word agony because when you're going through it, it may look like trouble to somebody else. But when you go through it, come on, somebody it feels like agony to you. Everybody else on the outside looking at you thinking, well, man, you're just going through a little trouble. But how many of y'all know? They don't know what it's like until you've gone through it yourself. And, and so many times when we go through stuff, it just feels like agony. When the finances are not right, it just feels like agony. When the family is not right, it just feels like agony. Agony. When the faith is not right and we can't perceive what God is doing and seem like the more we pray, the worse it gets. We feel like agony when everything is going wrong, when we're going through, it feels like agony and we struggle and we're asking the question, are there answers for our agonies? And I would go far to say that even it's kind of like when I had my COVID infection back in June uh, when I had the infection, I came through it. Uh, I had the infection for about seven or eight days. And after the infection, I began to test negative. And, and basically, after about the eighth day, I've tested negative at least eight, nine, ten times. But, but since I've come out of COVID, I've had some lingering effects from the disease. Uh, I've had a little coughing since COVID, now, and I'm still negative, y'all. I'm completely negative, but I've had some lingering effects on my health. Uh, my eye pressure has gone up. Doctor thought she was going to have to do surgery on my eye. And, and even though I've come through it, it seems like it's doing everything in its power. Come on, somebody, to hold on to me. And, and for many of us, that's why it's agony. Just when you get through it and you think you're beyond it, Does anybody know it has a way of holding on to you like a bad memory from the past? And we begin to ask the question, are there answers for our agony? And when we feel there are no answers for our agonies, we do what a lot of us do. And there's no criticism or judgment on this. When we experience and go through trouble and we feel like the trouble is unfair and we feel like God is not hearing us, we do the next best thing. Even the best Christians, we check out on God. Not sure if we can trust him the way we used to. We, we don't mean it. And again, this is not a criticism. This is not a judgment. Many times, if, if, it, if it's this perpetual, this persistent agony that keeps coming after us, we get tired, we get weary, we get worn. And after a while, we just check out. We don't pray like we used to pray. We don't talk to our friends like we used to. We check out with our family. We don't go to church like we used to. We we don't seek the spiritual things like we used to. We, We don't honor him and bless him and praise him like we used to because many times the agony overtakes our faith. And as our agony rises, our faith falls. As our pain increases, our praise decreases. As our frustrations and fears go up, our faith goes down. And, and there's something about the human condition that when trouble comes into our life, even the best of saints, don't get ho- tell your neighbor, don't get holy on me right now. From the pulpit to the pew, we, we just don't talk to God and lean on him the way we ought to. And we're not by ourselves on this. Moses went through this, he spent 40 years on the backside of a wilderness. All because he didn't understand what God was doing with the people of God. 400 years in bondage and he made this promise and there was no way that the promise was going to be fulfilled on the horizon. Habakkuk didn't understand it. The prophet and how the Babylonians a very evil and brutal people would come and brutalize the people of God. It's all through the scriptures. It ain't just in scriptures, but it's in 2022 with the people of God. We okay if the money is all right and in the bank. We okay if the bills are being paid. We okay if there's decent health and strength. We okay if our friends are many and treating us well. We okay if the church and the family are loving on us. We even okay if the cowboys are winning every now and then. Tell somebody, you know I had to get it in there, right? But when our agony increases, our faith goes down. And that's kind of where the psalmist was. He, he was at a place of difficulty and he's trying to he's really sharing his testimony after he's come out. But when he was in the difficulty, he, he could have just given up. And he's trying to share his testimony that when he was faced with the agony, he had an answer for his agony. Look look what he says. He says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high uh, uh, I will rest in the shadow of the almighty. That's future. I will say to the Lord, that's future. He is my refuge. He is my fortress, uh, my God in who I trust. I have some trouble right now, but I refuse to let my trouble short circuit my faith. That's what he's saying. He's made up his mind, y'all. I'm going through some difficulty where I can't perceive what God is doing, but I'm going to trust his heart that somehow he's going to bring me through it. I I don't understand why my heart has been broken time and time again, but I'm still going to take my broken heart to the heart fixer and the mind regulator. He he made up his mind. He's going to serve the Lord. And here's my thesis. I've been trying to get here. Here's my thesis. Here it is. It's very simple. When you're going through agony and going through difficulty, here it is. Make sure your faith is louder than your agony. (sighs) I'm trying to to preach this today. I'm really trying to. Whatever you do, make sure your faith has the last word. Don't let your agony have the last word on what's going on in your life. Uh, You've got to allow that to be the time that you make a decision in terms of what, where you are going to stand and how you are going to stand for God. And you answer your agony with a louder confidence in God. You, You make up your mind, I don't care what you throw my way, my God is still my God. So, it's kind of like blind Bartimaeus Jesus was coming out of Jericho and I've been on that southern part of Jerusalem down by Jericho very desert and it has a desert like existence it's hot down there and he's coming out of Jericho and crowds are following him and blind Bartimaeus he's been blind too long you know when you've been going through something for so long folk don't know why you shout the way you shout so he, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd said, look, you need to hush and be quiet because that's undignified to do in this church. We, we don't shout like that. But I'm so glad the more they tried to keep him quiet, the louder blind Bartimaeus became. Because sometimes folk will try to short circuit your faith sometimes folk will try to stifle your praise and you got to make up your mind no you don't know my God and what he's able to do and blind Bartimaeus kept shouting to God and Jesus stopped at his track turned around and healed him of his blindness and all I'm simply trying to say when your faith is louder than your agony that's when God will show up that's when God will do the impossible because God loves faith. When we're ready to throw in the towel, hold on to your faith. Whatever you do, hold on to the fact that God hasn't forgotten you. I don't always understand why he does what he does, but oh, when he shows up and oh, when he turns it around, does anybody know God can turn it around? Does anybody know God can give you a testimony? Does anybody know God can give you a story? Oh, God is writing your story, child. I know the plot is big, but wait on the conclusion. God's not finished with you yet. Hallelujah. Let me give you these three points. So I'm going to get on out of here. And so here it is. If you're going to make your faith louder than your agony. First thing you got to do, it's got to be personal. That is, we can answer our agonies because we got personal history with God. Personal history. It's in the text. Verse 1 Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, most high will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. To understand Psalm 91 and 1, you got to go back to Psalm 90, the previous Psalm. Verse 1 which is written by Moses and Moses makes this statement in Psalm 90 verse one, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. And what is Moses saying? He said, when I look back over my family history, God, you've been watching over me before I was born. You walked with Abraham, you walked with Isaac, you walked with Jacob, you walked with Joseph and he could go through his history. And see how God has always had a hand in his line. And, and some of us, we can trace God's hand through the history of our families. Great-grandmama walked with them, Granddaddy walked with them, Daddy walked with them, And now you have an opportunity to walk with God. And that's exactly what the psalmist is saying in 91 and 1. Because granddaddy walked with him. Now it's my turn to make up my mind that I choose the Lord for this generation and for future generations. He had history with God. And it's a stark reminder for all of us. Faith is a product of what we know God can do. And many of us know what God has done in our history. Many of us know when we didn't even know him, God was still watching over us. You you can bless God right there. You wasn't thinking about God, but thank God God was thinking about you. (laughs) And just on that, you ought to be thankful right there because we have history with God. But then here's the big one here. God uses trouble because He wants us to make a personal choice for Him. That's the real issue right there. God doesn't want us to be robots. God doesn't want us to be machines. God wants us to make a personal choice for him. God wants us to make up our mind that whether things are good or bad, we're going to throw our lot in for God. We're going to stay with him. A lot of folk make the mistake here and they kind of they sit on the fence. Well, I'm going to see what God does. And you know what? God will outweigh you on that one. <laughs> Oh, you think you can outweigh me? I'm going to outweigh you. (laughs) But but you, God is looking for folk who decide up front. I've made up my mind. Old folk, you say, you got to have a made-up mind if you're going to serve God. And we see this all throughout Scripture. Joseph had a made-up mind. When he told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And in spite of all the stuff that Joseph suffered, from his brothers and all the injustice, he had made up his mind that he was going to love and trust God. Joshua had a made up mind. Joshua told the Israelites, choose ye this day whom you shall serve. But whether y'all serve God or not, ask for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. <laughs> you got to have a made up mind. And one of my favorite scriptures is of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar had gotten word that they wouldn't bow to the idol that he erected. And so he called him into his courtroom in front of all the officials and said, Look, I'm going to give you a chance to clear this up. I'm going to give you an opportunity to clarify where your allegiances are. And I like how the Hebrew boys responded. We don't need to pray about this. I don't need time to think about it. I don't need no consultation. Because there's one thing I know about my God is that he is able. Don't get it twisted. God is able. (laughs) He's able to bring us through. And then this is the one to kill me. But if he doesn't, let's be clear on something. We're going to serve the most high. That's a made-up mind. Is there anybody in here that made up their mind that you're going to serve the Lord? Hey! It's personal. Number two is protections. God, when we step out by faith, and our faith is louder than our agony. He gives us divine protection. And really, I don't have time to go through all of It's About eight of them. But from verses 3 to 13, the psalmist lists a number of protections that God will give us. In verse 3, he says, Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. And here's what he's saying. He said, you got to understand, some stuff only God can bring you out of. I ain't mad at you if you go to the doctor. Because I'll be the first one to go to the doctor. Tell your neighbor, pastor don't like pain either. Say amen. (laughs) But now there's some things the doctor can't do. And there's some things your friends can't do. And there's some things those talk show hosts can't do but that God himself can do, that God is able to protect us in ways we can't imagine. And y'all have been walking with God a little while here, and let me be honest, I'm at a place where I can thank God for all the things he's done. But I've been through some stuff, and I've gotten through some stuff, that not only do I thank him for what he's done, but I thank him for what he didn't allow. Because some of y'all, when you get a chance, you ought to check the devil's calendar and what he wanted to do in your life. But thank God for Jesus. God says not today. It ain't going to happen. And because God didn't allow it, I'm going to thank him for his goodness. So God protects us. He protects us from crazy events. But then he protects us from people. See, fowler's snares is a, it's a metaphor, and the fowler's snare, it was a, was a trapper, and he would trap small birds, and these birds were vulnerable, they were weak, and unsuspecting, the trapper was not smart enough to get the smart birds, but he could take advantage of the weak birds, And the psalmist is using as a metaphor for what sometimes people will do. Sometimes they'll take advantage of you and God will protect you. He picks up it again in verse 13. He says, you will tread upon the lion and the snake or the cobra. And there he's using two metaphors of people. You know, he said people are like lions. You know, some folk will get up in your face and tell you they don't like you. They'll talk about you right to your face. They don't care. They ain't scared of you. They'll threaten you right in your face because they're a lion. But then some folk are like snakes. They'll sliver in the grass. Act like they're your friend. And you don't know they're not your friend until they bite you. Y'all don't hear me. And what the psalmist is saying is that God will protect you from certain people. And you ought to thank God that God didn't allow certain people in your life. I know you prayed about this person to be in your life, but you don't know what God saw in their life and he kept them away from you. Oh, y'all don't hear me. He'll protect you from people, but then also God will protect us from the pestilence. He says it in verse 6-7 through of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand men may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right, but it shall not approach you. What do you mean by pestilence? Surely he could be talking about COVID and we've seen how COVID has tried to devastate the globe. But in that culture, pestilence was very common in the context of a military siege. It was very common for armies to surround cities for two, three, four years even, cutting off all kinds of commerce, all kinds of normal course of business. And when a community is completely cut off, uh, it only takes one disease or one sickness to spread throughout the entire community. And, and basically what the psalmist is saying is that even in the midst of a closed system, God is able to protect you. God can protect us from anything. And, and really, this is a word about people of faith. And, and I just came across a study that I'm going to share with you in a second, that people of faith actually fare better with their health than people of non-faith. And you can Google this. I ain't making it up. Tell your neighbor. You can Google it. Amen. Journal of the Heart Association in a study of nearly 3,000 African American adults, those who reported more frequent church attendance, private prayer, and feeling God's presence were more likely to meet the American Heart Association's key metrics for optimal cardiovascular health compared to others reporting less frequent religious participation or no such beliefs. In other words, God says when you decide to exercise your faith, you gonna live longer, your body's gonna be stronger, and you gonna have better health. But then lastly, God protects us from us. Verse 11 through 12, he says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Talks about his angels and how his angels can protect us. And it's interesting that when the devil attacked Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the devil quoted this exact verse and it is a word about spiritual warfare and how Jesus was pushed into an uncomfortable place. And, and what it is, it's a word about how God will even use the devil to transform us. That is true transformation is impossible unless God allows us to go into uncomfortable places. Oh, it's going to get quiet right here. It's going to get a little quiet. Tell your neighbor. The truth is it takes traumatic experiences to wake us up sometimes. Our mind is so made up on the wrong thing that something significant has to happen to change our minds. And so the text says in, in, in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the, of the shadow of death. And I was reading one commentator and how he was saying how we miss what's really going on in that passage. He says, you know, many times we see that valley as a way to get out. And God does do that. He gives us a way out of trouble. He says, but it's bigger than that. He says, if you ever go to Israel, and I hadn't noticed this until I've been there. If you ever go to Israel, valleys are always situated between two twin peaks. In other words, you can't go into a valley unless you came off a peak. And you can't come out of a valley unless you're going up in a peak. And the point is, he says, that many times what God does He sees the peak he wants to take you to, but you got to go through the valley of preparation to get to the peak of blessing that he has for you. Y'all not hearing me. And so some of us, we're in the valley of financial difficulty. And the truth is, God has already given you a vision of a peak of financial prosperity. But in the valley of financial difficulty, you got to learn what budgeting is. In the valley of financial difficulty, you got to learn what spending leaks are. In the valley of financial difficulty, you got to learn what investing is. And yes, even in the valley of financial difficulty, you got to learn what giving is and learn to trust God. Because God is the one that can put money in your pocket. Do I have a witness right there? Some of us, we're in the valley of difficult family and difficult relationships. But it's in the valley that we learn civility. It's in the valley we learn temperament and emotional difference discipline. It's in the valley that we learn compromise. It's in the valley that we learn forgiveness and reconciliation. It's in the valley that we learn not to talk at each, uh, each other, but to talk to each other. It's in the valley we learn to pray and to trust God. And when we come to the, to the valley, then we can go to the peak of family health and relational health. Some of us are in the valley of weak faith, and we're in a valley where we feel like God has abandoned us. But it's in the valley we really learn how to pray. <laughs> it's in the valley where we learn to build our own fire, Brian. We learn to bring our own wood. We learn to bring our own fire. We learn to bring our own sacrifice. And we really don't care who's on for worship because we've been through some trouble and we've learned to worship on our own so that now we ain't coming to church to steal your fire, but we bring our own fire. That's why sometimes you got to thank God for the valley. And you can say like David, yay, yay. Though I walk through the valley, I'll fear no evil because God is with me. Tell your neighbor he'll protect you. Let me wrap this thing up. Number three is personal. He'll protect us. But you know I can't close this out without God's promises. In other words, when we are people of faith, God will reward us with his promises. That's in verse 14 and 16. It says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. Here it is, because he acknowledges my name. In other words, even in his agony, he's made up his mind. I'm going to bless you anyhow. I'm going to thank you anyhow. I don't care what I'm going through. God, you've been too good for me not to bless your name. Because he acknowledges my name, he will call on me. Watch this. And I'm going to answer his prayer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. And then I will honor him. What does that mean? I'll bring you out. And the folk that wanted to see you fall. They're going to see me honor you. They're going to see me lift you up. They're going to want to know and think, how did she come through that? How did he come through that? And you'll be able to say, it was nothing but God on my side. He's not finished. He said, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. In other words, you will stand and you will live a good life all because you stepped out on faith. Isn't God good? He'll fulfill his promises. And so let me close with this and I'll be done. Y'all know I love basketball. I'm an avid basketball fan. And my heart was a little heavy when the great Bill Russell passed away recently that great Boston Celtics. I hate the Celtics, but I love Bill Russell. He was something special. Two NCAA championships and 11 NBA championships. Eight years in a row, he led his team to NBA championships. He was something else on the court, but he was far something else off the court as well. Stood for civil rights, stood with Muhammad Ali when he didn't want to go to the draft, went down to Mississippi after they killed Megar Evans, and stood up and protested against that, just the consummate individual that stood for rights. Well, they were telling stories about him, and I was enjoying all the different stories they told about him. And Kenny Smith, TNT NBA commentator, told a story how when he was drafted by the Sacramento Kings, Bill Russell was one of the coaches. And so Bill Russell was kind of assigned to Kenny to kind of mentor him in the art of basketball in the NBA. They had hopes of Kenny being a Hall of Fame kind of guard. And so Bill Russell wanted to ride with Kenny on their bus trips and their plane rides. But Kenny was a rookie. And Kenny wanted to hang out with the fellas. He wanted to hang out with all the other players. And so Bill Russell asked him the question. He said, why is it that you don't want to ride with me when we, when we fly places and go to different places? And Kenny said he didn't want to hurt his feelings. He respected the great, but he didn't want to come across to the rest of the team like he was the coach's pet. And so he declined. He said, I just want to hang out with the team and I want to fit in with the team. And he said, Bill Russell asked him a series of questions he'll never forget. Bill Russell asked him, he said, let me ask you a question. Have any of those guys ever been to the NBA finals? (laughs) Kenny said, no. He said, has any of them ever won an NBA championship? He said, no. Have any of them ever been to an NBA all-star game? He said, no. He said, has any of them ever been selected all-NBA? No. And then Bill Russell said this, something he said he'd never forget. He said, you better ride with somebody that knows how to get you to where you're trying to go. That's all I'm trying to say. I can't speak for you, but I decided to ride with somebody that knows how to get me to where I'm trying to go. Anybody know God is able? Is he able? Then say, yeah. Yeah. Hey, give God your best praise. Come on and thank him. Come on and say hallelujah. Put your hands together. Say thank you. Thank you. Declare him holy. Bless his name. Let your faith be louder than your agony. And God will fulfill his promises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grab your cup. Let's do the Lord's Supper. Why do we do the Lord's Supper, Pastor? Because for 1,500 years, the church did the Lord's Supper. Because there was a strong belief, and I believe that's too, that God shows up at the Lord's Supper, and Christians got beside themselves, and we replaced the pulpit with the Lord's Supper, and we made man the center, and we need to make God the center, because the truth is, I can't do nothing for you, (laughs) but how many of y'all know God can? And so for 1,500 years, people were excited. If they knew the Lord's Supper, communion, the Catholics call it the Eucharist. If they knew the Eucharist was going to happen, they would run the church because they knew in taking the Eucharist, God was going to show up. And I believe it by faith. It's the one place he shows up. It's the Christian Holy of Holies just like the high priest went into the Holy of Holies to engage the presence of God in the Old Testament. Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. And if we come with the right heart and the right mind and the motive, he meets us, speaks to us, and he blesses us. And so here's my question for us to think about as we prepare our hearts to receive it want to say this right. Forgive me,
1: y'all.
2: Here's my question. What are you going through right now? And is it holding you back in your faith? And will your faith be louder than what is holding you back? God wants you to make up your mind. He wants me to make up my mind. He wants all of us to decide who shall have priority in our life. And I say the Lord has been too good. He's worthy. Make up your mind now. Make it up right now. Let's bow and reflect on that question. Who's louder, your faith or your agony. Make a decision today. Tell them today. Tell them today which will be louder. Online, those of you watching, tell them today which will be louder, your faith or your agony. I will bless you more than I complain about what hurts me. I will make sure my faith is louder than my... you're not oblivious to pain, but pain is so real in 2022. A lot of us have had our share of suffering and agony, a lot of disappointment, a lot of betrayal. Sometimes, Lord, we don't know which way is up or down. And sometimes, Lord, we're not sure what you're doing in it all. But Lord, I believe some of us have made up our minds today that you are going to be our God, just as the psalmist said. In you, we will trust. And that's what we're going to do today. And so with this cup, Lord, as we partake, we trust you that our faith will always be louder than our agony. In Jesus' name.